and welcome to episode 16 of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. As always, joined by Josh Erickson and Matt Sheridan. And this week we have a special guest joining us, Dan Mount, joining us from New York. Uh, big Rangers fan. So, Dan, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I, are you sure I'm that special? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're definitely happy to have you on. Dan, of course, an editor at Last Run Sportswear. Uh, the three of us used to write, Matt, of course, has left us since I ready for the hockey writers, but, uh, you know, still a former member of Last Word on Sports. And so today we're going to be breaking down the Metropolitan Division a little bit here in the NHL. And I want to get started with the Carolina Hurricanes. So uh, this is a team that's kind of stayed in neutral. They haven't made a whole lot of big changes. Uh, they, they traded Joel Edmondson to the Montreal Canadiens a couple of weeks ago, uh, losing Trevor Van Riemsdyk. And, uh, to free agency, and then Justin Williams retiring. Uh, and so far what they've brought in, uh, Jesper Faust, uh, uh, Ryan Joachim, you know, n- no real big names, right? They, they haven't really made a whole lot of big moves. So, uh, Josh, let's get started with you on this one. Uh, do you think Carolina's going to stay where they were last season? Are they still going to be a contender, or are they going to take a step forward or step back? Uh, yeah, I mean, this – I mean, I'm just going to preface all of this with this division is so neck and neck right now that a team that I say could be a wild card team could be the division winners. Um, so there, in my opinion, are five teams who are going to make the playoffs in this division, pending Montreal making maybe making a run in the Atlantic division, um, and also pending we have this divisional format next season. But um, Carolina is certainly still one of those teams. I currently have them fourth, uh, but it is a very tight race, one through five. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you the rest of those teams later. Don't, don't want to spill all the secrets too early. But, yeah, I mean, for a team, yeah, I mean, really the only roster move that's going to impact them every day is adding Jesper Faust on the wing. Um, which he, he's effectively Justin Williams' replacement. Um, and that's fine. I mean, Faust, he's – I mean, he – I didn't realize he was 28 years old. I mean, he, he'd been with the Rangers for a while. He's a decent two-way forward. Um, not going to wow you. Uh, I think Carolina playing him in their bottom six will be favorable to Faust. We'll get some better matchups there and then maybe playing with the depth they have. I mean, he'll have, he'll be playing with either Jordan Stahl or Vincent Trocek, um, which is going to be a better center than what he had in New York, especially this past season. Um, So I certainly think he could be a noticeable addition, but no, it's nothing special. And I, I, I still look at this forward group and it's very meh to me. I mean, you have a pretty, damn solid top line with Svetch, Aho, and Tara Vinen. Um, but after that, you know, who knows? Niederreiter has been up and down recently. You've got Marty Natchez, who's going to improve and take another step forward next year. And I like him on the wing in the top six. Um, and you, you've just got a lot of uh, uh, solid speed and skill down the wings and Fogel, McGinn, Dezingle, um, Jordan Martinook is your fourth line center, decent guy. Uh, but no one really jumps off the page aside from that top line. Um, defense is this team's strong suit. Uh, a full season of Dougie Hamilton, because you have to remember he was injured, um, is going to work wonders for them. Brett Pesci, also injured. 
will come back, hopefully have a bit of a bounce back year. Hayden Fleury has told us he's at least an NHL player by now. And then Slavin Gardner-Shea on the left side. Um, there's nothing really here that screams liability. Um, and it's certainly one of the better decors assembled in the division. Uh, where my concern comes with this team still three years later, ever since Cam, well, really more than that, ever since Cam Ward stopped being a Vezina caliber goaltender, is the goaltending. I mean, look, Mrazek's okay. Reimer's okay. Uh, but they got a pretty unsustainable performance from Reimer last season in the games he played, and I think he's going to take a sizable step back. Um, I don't trust him to repeat that again, especially at his age. Uh, and so when you factor in the health of Hamilton, the replacement of Fast and Williams, which I think is kind of a wash, uh, and then the drop back of Reimer, I mean, I don't, I don't think you have a team here that's taken any meaningful step in any direction. Um, I still think they are a strong wildcard team and certainly a possibility to finish top three if something goes really right for them and wrong for another team. Um, but no, I, don't, I, I think Waddell's done enough to keep them in contention because they are a very structured team, and it's a structure that I do think can maybe take them places in the playoffs. Um, so that this is, you know, probably a sixth-seeded team in the East if we're being all – you know, maybe seven. Yeah, when I look at what this team has assembled, like, as you already pointed out, the defense on this team is incredible. Uh, definitely one of the stronger and deepest defensive groups that the, that's in the entire NHL, in my opinion, not just the Metropolitan Division. I mean, you're looking at a top four. You've got uh, – who, who am I looking at here? Uh, Dougie Hamilton, Brett Pesci, Brady Shea, Jacob Slavin. Those are four, you know, really solid guys. And they also have a young guy who's looking, you know, like he's going to be a really good NHL player in Hayden Fleury. And so, you know, that's, that's five really strong defensemen that the, the Hurricanes have that they could really take this team to the next level. If they can just get a little bit more support on offense, we're talking about one of the great rosters in the NHL that could be looking at a Stanley Cup run. We saw them make it to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago against Boston, unfortunately getting swept. It was a little bit before their time, still a young roster, still learning how to win playoff games. Uh, but that, that run by itself was shocking enough. And then this past season, absolutely demolishing the New York Rangers in the qualifying round of the uh, playoffs, so to speak, and not really playoffs, but uh, in that uh, qualifying round. And then, you know, getting handled again by Boston. But, I mean – that's a tough opponent either way. So the Hurricanes have played very well. They have a really talented group on defense. Um, you know, like I said, if they can just add maybe another piece or two on offense, I think they really have all they need to win, uh, especially with uh, the emergence of Sebastian Ajo as a, you know, bona fide NHL superstar and a, and a top line player at that. I, I think the thing with the Faust is he really helps their penalty kill. That, that takes away from the Rangers penalty kill. Boss was always the guy that on the, on the, would log lots of minutes on the on the PK, and it hurts the division contender too. That's a that's a big move for for Carolina. I really thought they would do something else in goal with, besides Mrazek and, yep. and Reimer. I know they both played well at times, but you thought they would maybe get a one a number bona fide number one instead of going this platoon system. But 
I think goalie goalies and backup goalies are going to be a thing this year. Maybe you know, maybe make a pop for somebody else. You know, maybe go after a. But that might be a deadline thing, you know. That that might be a, yep. give them yeah. some flexibility. I mean, I don't think everybody's going to spend to the cap because of the current economic situation. But I think Carolina is going to be flexible. I know what. I wonder what Fogel's going to get in his RFA deal. That's that's a thing coming up, and you know, Carolina. I do like with where they've headed. They've surprised a lot of people, but uh, I really thought they would make a move in goal for somebody else. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be the thing that would put them over the top. You know, they were in a bunch of Freddie Anderson trade rumors with Toronto. Um, don't know why that couldn't get done. But, I mean, I, I do think that is the piece they're missing. Um, aside from maybe an upgrade on one of their top six pieces, I'd do a hockey trade there. Like trade Niederreiter for somebody and try and improve in that spot. Um, yeah, I mean, they chose to stand pat, which – isn't exactly the worst choice they could have made. So looking ahead at the next team on our list, all right, so we have the Columbus Blue Jackets. All right, they've had some big changes. They made a pretty significant trade with the Montreal Canadiens, bringing in Max Domi, a guy who can play center or left wing, uh, but primarily center. And uh, they traded Josh Anderson, the right wing, to Montreal in that deal. They also lost Ryan Murray this offseason and Marcus Nudevara. Uh, Alex Wenberg, free agent. So they really lost some important pieces, but they did bring in a very talented center, Max Domi, and they also brought in a, a veteran in Miko Koivu. So, Matt, what do you think about the moves Columbus Blue Jackets have made? Are they going to be able to maintain their defensive dominance as they have in the past couple seasons? I mean, you have to look at what they've added, and I think they've taken a step forward, especially with the addition of Max Domi. He's proven that he can put up a lot of points as a top line player with Montreal Canadiens. I really like what he adds to this team. Um, got rid of someone like Josh Anderson, who has proven in the past that he he can be that prototypical power forward, but there's a lot of question marks with him. So I think getting uh, Max Domi in a third back for him was definitely a solid acquisition. Um, I really like signing Miko Koivu. Um, I was kind of upset that he left the Minnesota Wild, but uh, he's a very solid 3C for them. Um, he can move up and down the lineup as need be. He can he can, he's, he can definitely still kill penalties. Um, but when I look at everything, that's the, all the solid teams that are in the Metro, I, you have to wonder if the Columbus Blue Jackets can actually uh, clinch a playoff spot. I'd, I'd, I'd have them as a wild card, if anything, going up and down their lineup, just looking at their first lineup, Dubois, Texier, and Yorkstrand. That is a really solid top line. But when you're looking at um, going up against top lines of like Savannah Jad, Aaron in New York and then Crosby, Malkin, Gensel in Pittsburgh and Natchez, no, not Natchez, uh, Ajo, Teravainen and those guys in Carolina. It's, it, you got to question how, how effective they will be, but I really like what they've added. I think they did take a few hits on um, defense by getting rid of Nudibara and Murray, but uh, any day you can uh, roll out Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones on the top pairing is definitely sign me up. That's a, a really one of the best pairings in the league. Um, Vladislav Gavrikov and David Savard is a very good shutdown um, second pairing. I really like that. They can go out and um, get you a win at, when the when the game gets rough. And then uh, I guess they have a lot of they have a lot of trust in Gabriel Carlson to come in there and slot in at the number five. And then Dean Kukan has proven that he's an NHL defenseman. 
Um, I really like their goalie tandem with uh, Merzlikens and Corpusalo. There have been trade rumors that one of them could be traded, but at this point, none of them have. And I think when you're rolling those two out that they proved last season that they could go out and win games. And I think this is a pretty solid team. Yeah. Um, I really agree with Matt's assessment there just in terms of standings points. Uh, I, I do think they're a wild card team. I do think they are one of my five playoff teams in the Metro um, that are clear cut. I think there's a clear drop off after Columbus to the three New York teams. Um, but look, I mean, uh, offense, they have totally revitalized, or in my opinion, completely improved. Max Domi is a stellar addition, especially for a guy who only played 26 games for you last year. Texier is going to take a step forward. You've got a real sleeper pick in Liam Foodie, who maybe could start in your bottom six, but maybe work his way up. I mean, Columbus has a bunch of quality on the wings. Bjorkstrand, who never gets enough love. Nyquist also doesn't get enough love. Uh, I mentioned uh, Foodie, At Cam Atkinson. Nick Foligno's still there. Um, and then when you're able to throw out Dubois and Domi as your top two centers, I mean, that's a pretty good place to be. Dubois still needs a new deal, but Columbus has engineered it so that they have plenty of cap space to re-sign him and Gavrikov, you know, as the offseason rolls on. Uh, I think this team is not going to be the offensive black hole we've seen in years past. I think we could see maybe a bit of a shift in the makeup of how the team plays, especially under Tortorella, just because he has more weapons to work with. Um, so my reasoning for them finishing probably fifth is where I have them. But again, I could see him finishing third if things went right. Um, is defense and goaltending, uh, which is not, it was not their issue last year, but I, there's something about Seth Jones that screams regression to me. I think Zach Kurensky is the best defenseman on this team. Um, and it's not a hate on Jones. Um, but, you know, I, I think his play driving, but that, you know, that could be in a vacuum. But Jones' play driving ability, I think, has been carried a lot by Tortorella's system. Um, and if that gets, you know, affected by the influx of offensive talent they have, I could pose some issues. Uh, I do really like that Gavrikov-Savard pairing, and I think Kukan with either, you know, Gabriel Carlson, like Matt mentioned, he could step in. They still have depth guys like Scott Harrington. I do think Adam Clendenning, yep, Adam Clendenning still in the organization. Um, Andrew Peak too. I mean, they have guys who could, you know, alternate in that third lefty spot, I do think it's most likely to be Carlson. Um, and I'll keep it short and sweet. Merzlikens, I like Corpusello, I don't. Um, I think last year was a bit of a blip for him. He's historically shown that he's usually nothing more than a solid backup, which is what I think will be. Merzlikens has been great everywhere he's played. Um, he has that compete factor in him. He gels really well with the rest of the team. I think, you know, even – He's better than any of Carolina's goalies, I think. Um, so if Merzlikens is actually really able to perform, that I could, I could see Columbus jumping into a divisional spot um, just because they are so strong offensively. Because not only do you talk about Domi, you talk about Miko Koivu, 
who his addition kind of makes up for Domi's uh, defensive deficiencies. So yeah, three times fast. Um, and you've got Mikhail Grigorenko, who you've brought back over from Russia. That could also be something. You don't know. I mean, his last stint in, in the NHL didn't go too well. But, you know, a couple of years to refresh in Russia, maybe he could be something. So, and again, not a team. I mean, they're going to look a lot different down the middle next season. Their wings have stayed the same. There's no newcomers on defense or goaltending, really. They've just shipped some names out. Um, so I do think they stay floating around where they were last season, which is playoff team, but probably a wild card in that division. Yeah, and I got to kind of agree with something you said about the goaltending there. Um, my big thing is, so yeah, Corpusal, he – you know, played like a starter last year, and we'll have to see if he can do it again. But I have to, I have to kind of approach Merzlikens the same way because neither one of them has really found sustained long-term success in the NHL. Merzlikens has Correct. only played one year in the NHL. And for me, there are certain players that I'll, you know, I'll give them the benefit of that when they pop off and have a good year early in their careers. But Merzlikens is a little different. We're talking about a guy who's 26. And I know goaltenders generally take longer to develop than skaters do. But he's, you know, most, most players have hit their peak, right? They're, they're in their prime by the time they get to 26 years old. So to me, that screams, I need to see you do it one more time before I'm fully buying into you. I hope you do it again. You know, if you can repeat what you did last season, that's great. But I need to see you do it again before I'm fully buying in. And I, you know, we'll, I'll have to wait and see – what they do this season, but, um, you know, if, if both pl- players can perform at a high level, again, this team is in very good shape in terms of their goaltending for the future. Right. I mean, the reason why I go that route is because Corpusello, I mean, he, he's an NHL goalie for sure, but I mean, he has had multiple seasons or at least one under the 900 mark in terms of save percentage. Uh, and I know that he has the possibility to regress. Merzlikens, I'll bring it up again. I have a stats page pulled up. Excellent. Everywhere he's been since he turned pro in 13-14 for Lugano in the Swiss League, he has only had two seasons under a 9.20 save percentage. Um, he had a 9.13 with Lugano in 14-15 and a 9.16 in 16-17. Um, I mean, this guy just – he had a better save percentage in the NHL with Columbus last year than he did the year before in the Swiss League. He only had a 9.21 in the Swiss League in 18-19 comes over to North America, sees a bump with a 923 save percentage. He was stellar in the playoffs too. Um, so no, he doesn't have an NHL history, but I, I do think Bersley can sustained history of success on professional leagues on some of the world's biggest stages. Um, so I am, I'm with you normally, but I'm, I'm willing to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. All right, so we'll head on to the next team we've got. All right, so the New Jersey Devils, all right. Uh, they've made some really moves that are questionable, but really solid moves at the same time. The New Jersey Devils are very clearly a rebuilding team, right? This is not their time to win. They've added some nice young pieces over the last couple of seasons, but they're not quite there yet. They're still a bottom of the league team. This could be the year where we see them take a big step forward, kind of like we saw with the New York Rangers last season. We could see them take that step forward this this upcoming season, but only time will tell there. Uh, they added uh, defenseman Ryan Murray and goaltender Corey Crawford, as well as forward Andreas Johansson to – uh, from Toronto via trade, um, and, and Scott Wedgwood 
joining them as another goaltender on the roster. So, uh, and also something to mention is they also uh, got rid of Corey Schneider, right? Uh, a goaltender who struggled for many seasons with the Devils. Uh, he's going to be moving on from the team. So, I kind of want to uh, start with you, Dan, on this one. Uh, do you think the Devils are going to see some significant improvement this year? I think it, it's, it, it could have been any worse than last year for sure. I mean, I, I like the Corey Crawford move because that gives Mackenzie Blackwood a bit of bit more time to, to get a bit better, you know. I mean, I, I like Blackwood a lot, but uh, Crawford's a veteran. He, he's very good. Um, I think you got to see a bounce back year from P.K. Subban too. Oh, last year was bad but uh I, I like what he I like the Murray move especially that that was a very good uh, move to get something out of Columbus because I thought Columbus was gonna take a swing for Taylor Hall or and or a big name player and they missed out but the Devils you know took took a really good defenseman Ryan Murray I, I think uh you got to see something on Nico Heischer too you guys see him take another step forward he's shown signs of being a very good Reliable number one scorer, but uh, the Devils, I think, and yeah, that was a very apt comparison you made. It they might be the Rangers of last season of this year. Yeah. So when I take a look at what they've done, I, as you said already, Dan, well, PK Subban, we definitely have to see him take a step forward. He had an awful year last year, especially after some very strong seasons with the Nashville Predators. If this team wants to, you know, show legitimate improvement, you know, they paid big to bring Subban into the fold. Now he's got to show that he was worth that deal, uh, worth that trade. Uh, and then you've got Ryan Murray, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy for this team. He's had a lot of injury struggles throughout his career and he's a very talented defenseman. He just had a problem staying on the ice. He's a difficult time staying healthy. So we're going to need to see him take another step forward. And as far as the goaltending situation is concerned, Corey Crawford is an excellent excellent addition to this team he you know two-time cup champion he still has plenty of gas left in the tank uh and and i'm really excited to see what he and blackwood can do in net for the devil this upcoming year uh, we also got to talk about the forward group as well uh nico hisher as you said uh definitely has to take a step forward in his development he's a former first overall pick so you, you can't sleep on him and then they've also got another former first overall pick last year's draft in jack hughes right he had a down year of uh not definitely not what you're looking for from a first overall pick as a rookie, but he's also, you know, he was 18 years old playing in the NHL. That in itself is something that's respectable, admirable, and shows that he really has a lot of talent. So give him this year to see if he can, you know, show some progression, show he's developing a better understanding of the game, you know, improved vision on the ice, getting the puck to uh, his wingers, you know, making big plays. So uh, we'll have to see if Hughes can – really take another step forward, but I think he's going to be a key piece for this team as far as, you know, our, how successful they're going to be this year. In the forward group, there's a lot of guys that I see in that on that team that have potential. They just have to start putting it all together. Any time that you have a first overall pick, uh, you expect him to every, – everyone, especially the fan base, comes in and expects him to have a, a great season. Um, I think Jack Hughes had 21 points, which is not something that you'd expect from him, but um, you got to give the kid a break. Uh, the pressure that he had was immense and all signs point to him becoming an absolute stud in this league. And yes, they're going to be growing pains with your young players. Devils fans know that. And uh, I think they definitely have a solid future. Um, Nico Heischer is going to be a great player. Uh, the, the players that they added at the draft, Alexander Holtz, especially he's absolutely tearing up the SHL right now. 
And I think he's going to add a nice compliment to that first line, especially when he comes over and is able to slot into that first power play unit after he gets some playing time. Yeah, uh, I like the acquisition of Ryan Murray. I think that's an under, underrated move. Uh, Dan mentioned that P.K. Subban is um, – I'd, I'd like to see him have a rebound of a season. I think um, he's definitely on the decline, but he's someone who can still go out there and produce um, on both ends of the ice. So I'm hoping for a bounce-back season from them. Uh, getting rid of Corey Schneider was a solid for their organization. He didn't really do anything. Whenever you can add a, a Stanley Cup winner in Corey Crawford, and especially having a tandem with him and uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, is, it's is, it's solid. And uh, I, I, I really like how this team will look, but I just don't think they're ready to compete now. I think they, they're one of the teams that are going to be um, outside the playoffs when all is said and done. All right, so uh, looking ahead at the other teams in the division, we also got the New York Islanders, one of two New York teams in the Metropolitan Division. And we just talked about how Corey Schneider leaving New Jersey was huge for them. Well, he's been added to the New York Islanders roster. They clearly hope that he can rebound, maybe resurrect some of uh, his previous stardom, right? He used to be a really strong goalie for New Jersey. And now he's he's showing signs of uh, he's not showing signs of regression. He has very clearly regressed. So they're kind of hoping he can re uh, find his game again and really start producing for them. But as of right now, he enters as the team's third goaltender, most likely behind Thomas Grice and uh, what's Sorokin's first name? You mean Varlamov? Ilya Sorokin. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Bryce, Bryce moved on. I think Bryce was more. Yeah. No, I, I'm looking at his name on my thing. That's why I'm saying grace okay so so varlamov and uh Ilya Sorokin, you said matt yeah yeah so schneider uh probably the third goaltender behind Ilya sorokin and Semyon varlamov so, uh, and then also looking at some moves they also made you know they lost devin taze trading him to colorado so not a whole lot of movement for the new york islanders uh but definitely some things we need to touch on so Josh, let's go to you for this one. Do you think that the Islanders are going to be able to continue that strong defensive and team play game that they like? Yeah, I mean, look, every year from season to season, one of the four teams that makes the conference finals takes a huge step back. I feel that's a consistent pattern. Last year it was San Jose making it to the Western Conference final and then being a bottom five team this year. I wouldn't be so inclined to call the Islanders a bottom five team, but they sure aren't a playoff team in my eyes anymore. Um, losing Devin Taves was an incredibly terrible move by Lan Morello. Uh, when you're on a team, like, look, you, you are still in a cap crunch. You only have $9 million at this point to re-sign Barzell and Pulak. Sorry, Ryan Pulak. But, I, I mean, why trade Taves when you had – League interest in Nick Letty, for one, who you're probably still going to need to move anyways. You've got Casey Sezikis making 3.35, who you could try and move. Komarov making three. Ladd making 5.5. Who you? <sighs> There's so many bad contracts on this team, and it's going to absolutely kill them right now. Um, Goaltending is okay. I mean, I trust Sorokin to be an NHL player next year. Top six, assuming, you know, Barzell and Pulak stay. I mean, I, I, mean, I can only project based on the roster they're icing. 
Um, top six is okay. Third line gets iffy because you have Pajot, who was really good last year, but who knows if he can repeat that. Um, I think he can, especially with how good he proceeded to look with the Islanders. But who are his wingers now? Because you've lost some depth there, and you have two rookies I have my eye on, and Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom. I'm not sure if they make the team. Um, but if they do, or if one of them does – that is where they're going to slot. They're going to slot on Pajot's wing um, because you have a fourth line relatively put together. Um, but, I mean, you have Pajot and Sezikis as your centers. And then you just have a glutton of bottom six wingers and Komarov, Clutterbuck, Johnston, Dal Cole. I mentioned Bellows and Wallstrom. Lad, if he makes some miraculous comeback. And none of those guys inspire a whole lot of confidence for me. And then moving to the defense, Pellick and Pulak is a fine top pairing. I mean, they're good. But again, do you really trust them to really shut down some other elite top lines? As Brandon you know, mentioned that earlier with some matchups. There's some really strong matchups. Uh, you're putting a lot of stock on Noah Dobson to become a really good full-time NHLer next year. McLeddy is rough. Johnny Boychuk is rough. Um, and with a team that has shown it's anemic offensively, you're losing some defensive talent. Like the impact of Devon Taves cannot be understated. He is so underrated and he's going to make Colorado a president's trophy winning team. Um, so trading him away. Uh, that's your GM of the year, folks. That might be my WTF of the day. That's going to be it, is somehow Lamorello got named GM of the year. Because he's immediately shown right after that nomination why he didn't deserve it. Traded away the wrong guys, held on to the big contracts for the veterans he loves. Oh, and of course, they're probably going to bring back Matt Martin on a bloated deal too. So, I mean, this team is in a rough place again. I don't like where they're headed. It scares me with Lamorello at the helm. Uh, and it's a shame because they've done some nice work drafting, and I'm just afraid he's going to step in and kind of ruin all of this, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, there. I just want to – I guess I'll touch base on just a few topics. Uh, Noah Dobson, like Josh said, they're putting a lot of stock on him. I think he has been – he's shown that he's a really good prospect, having won two Memorial Cups with Ruin Miranda and uh, Bay Como. but. Um, no, Acadie Bathurst, my bad. Acadie Bathurst was the other one. Um, so he, he has proven that he's a great puck mover, but I don't know how much you can rely on him because he is still going to get it. He needs to get adapted to the NHL game and throwing him out there for big minutes is not going to be something that I think is going to go well. He's going to have some growing pains like every other prospect has. Um, uh, Josh also mentioned Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, he was uh, injured in uh, a game today. It looked pretty bad. His shoulder went hard into the boards, and he had to be uh, helped off the ice by a trainer. So you got to wonder how severe that injury is, and if he's going to be ready for training camp. Because if it's a separated shoulder and he requires surgery, then it's going to be a, he's going to be out months. Um, uh, again, the state of the defense. Uh, Devontae's criminally underrated, like Josh said. So. And just the contracts, it's, it's, it's painful to see. Um, I've always liked 
the Islanders, not necessarily their fans, but them as a team and what they've been able to put on the ice. Um, I think maybe uh, Otto Koivula is another guy who might get a call up and maybe show what he can do. I think Sebastian Ajo might also be ready for the NHL. That's just my opinion. There's a lot of guys that might be in the minors that could come up. and Not, not, not that Sebastian Ajo. <laughs> no. Right. Um, yeah. So you got to – you got to wonder how, if guys in the minors are um, are going to be better off-suited playing for the Islanders than guys like Letty and Boychuk, but that's up to the coaches. Um, that's up to them to make the decisions to ice whoever they want. Uh, I think whenever you have Barry Trotz at the helm, you're always better suited than uh, some other teams, but it's going to be interesting to watch what they're able to do, and uh, I don't really see them making the, the amount of impact or the amount of progress that they did last year by making the conference final yeah and i just there's one thing i do want to touch on really quick with the islanders just that barry trotz top, easily top five coach in the nhl for what he's done with this team you put anyone else behind the bench i firmly believe that this team is going nowhere they're not even sniffing the playoffs and he's just found a way to get this team to win he's created a system that just churns out wins and all the credit in the world to him for managing to pull that off. So uh, with that said, I want to go ahead and move on to the other team in New York. The ones that everyone's a big fan of wearing the blue and red, the New York Rangers. So they've made some, in my opinion, one of the most questionable decisions possible and signed defenseman Jack Johnson. You think? <laughs> so uh, somehow he still has a job in the NHL after being released by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Other than that, they haven't really done a whole lot signed Keith Kincaid. Uh, the, the, the biggest thing for them is going to be moving on from Henrik Lundqvist, obviously painful as the King has been a staple of New York hockey for years and years and years now. Moving on, we'll talk a little bit more about where he's gone later. But that's obviously painful for New York fans. Uh, they also managed to dump the contract of Mark Stahl off on Detroit. So that is, that's actually really big for them. It's addition by subtraction in this case. So, Dan, you're big on the Rangers, so why don't you go ahead and give us your breakdown of how the Rangers are going to do this season. The only way I could possibly justify the Jack Johnson thing is he's going to be a bottom pair or he's going to be the seventh defenseman, you know, and it's one million. And I'm okay with Jack Johnson getting money because after what his parents did to him. So Right. Yeah, that's the only – they're not going to put him in the second pair, which is fine by me. Right. You know, there's – D'Angelo, they got him locked up for a couple of years. I'm not a fan of the guy, but as a player, he's good, you know. Yeah. Um, I like – I wish they would find a way to resolve either getting a second center or paying Ryan Strom something. Because there's always that worry that – was it in, was his numbers inflated because he was good, or were they inflated because of Panarin? That's the thing that I think uh, Jeff Gorton is worried about, the general manager. But I like I liked Strom. At least let him try to prove it. I know he's an RFA. Let him try to prove it. But I'm interested to see where you're going to put Capo Caco and Alexis Lafreniere because I know Capo struggled, but. Capo played a lot of hockey over the last 365 days. And in the playoff, in the qualifying round series, he looked all right. You know, he looked like one of the few Rangers with any jump, any drive. 
because he got to rest his body for three months. Because I think somebody did the math that he played in a – I think if he did the math – we do the math that he played, like, like, over 110 games in, like, four or five different countries. And that's going to take a toll even right. if you're a younger player, you know. But I want to see where they're going to put Kako. I want to see where they're going to stick Lafreniere. Do they give him sheltered minutes early to try to help him along because – he looks like he's got the body type already to be a good NHL player. So uh, that's the main thing I want to uh, see with the Rangers. I like Shesterkin and Georgiev. I think that's a good combination. The only reason they got Kincaid is they have to expose somebody in the draft for as a, as a goalie. You know? <laughs> so uh, they got to expose somebody to the Kraken. And uh, I like the salary clearing that Gordon has done. I, he's got the Rangers out of the hell that Glenn Sather – got them into and the best move of the offseason was trading the Mark Stahl contract for for pick. That, that's yeah, I I'm gonna buy in low on the Rangers. I have them seventh, not making the playoffs in that division. Um but I certainly would not be surprised to see them finish higher, you know, at least over five hundred. And there are a couple reasons because of that. Um you know, the thing Dan brings up a very good point about was Strom really that good last year or was his numbers inflated because he's playing with Panarin? Well, regardless, you re-sign him, play him with Panarin <laughs> to ensure that he doesn't fall off a cliff, right? I mean, Strom's an okay guy. I really don't like him as a 2C. Um, and I think he could get caved in. But, I mean, put him with Panarin. And put Kako on that line, too, just because Panarin – I think Panarin's the best winger in the Metropolitan Division. Um, he's such a strong player. Put Kako up there. Um, I really agree with Dan's assessment there that he's going to take miles of leaps and bounds forward next season. Um, but, again, his defensive game can be somewhat suspect at times, and you don't know what you're going to get up. Uh, so you still have Kreider in the top six with Zabanajad and Buchnevich. That's a solid top line. Um, where I'm going to buy low is Lafreniere. Not that I don't think he's NHL ready, uh, but it's because, quite frankly, I don't think the Rangers have the right talent for him to play with. I think Lafreniere is going to come in and be the best player on his line, which is not a good position to be in. Um, I think he'll be okay, but I have no faith in the rest of their bottom six forward group with guys like Philip Heedle, Julian Gauthier, uh, Phil DiGiuseppe, Brent Howden, Brennan Lemieux. They, they brought in Kevin Rooney. They brought in Colin Blackwell to kind of fill in that spots of like Greg McKegg and Danny O'Regan that they lost, just, you know, as depth. But past this top six, this forward group gets real gnarly. Uh, and you really make that same argument for the entire left side of their defense. Ryan Lindgren is okay. Lindgren-Fox is a decent enough top pairing. I don't love it. Brandon Smith and Jack Johnson. I feel like somebody needs to do the Heimlich on me when I speak of those guys starting on the same team. Uh, and with how poorly Jacob Truba played last year, you don't know what he's going to do. I mean, I... I'm really not a fan of his. I don't think he fits in very well, quite frankly, anywhere. He's got some defensive deficiencies, as does D'Angelo. So you have a defense that 
Adam Fox is really going to be the only guy there that's going to be defending. That's not a good place to be. Uh, goaltending will be this team's saving grace. I'm high on Shesterkin. I'm high on Georgiev. I think these guys can be a legit NHL tandem, not only now, but moving forward. Um, but with how ghastly that defense is, with all the holes I still see in that bottom six, I don't like where this team is headed in terms of a playoff projection. So, Josh, you can edit this part out if you want. I just I, I want to point this out to you real quick. That you said a minute ago that Panarin is better than Ovechkin. Yes. Okay. I believe that, that wholeheartedly. All around, totally. That is bold, but okay. I just wanted to point okay, that well, out. Okay, we'll leave this we'll leave this in actually if I need to clarify that. Um, no, I do not think Panarin is a better goal scorer than Ovechkin. Nobody is a better goal scorer than Ovechkin. Alexander Ovechkin is the best goal scorer in the history of this league, in my opinion. Panarin is a stellar all-around player who can drive his line better than Ovechkin can, in my opinion, at this stage. Panarin's in his prime. I still think he's going to get better. Um, look at what he did to Ryan Strom. Ovechkin's always had a good guy to play with, and that is not a slight on Ovechkin at all. But if you're asking me if I'd rather take Nicholas Backstrom or Evgeny Kuznetsov over Ryan Strom, the answer would be yes all day long. With what the Rangers have done, you've got to give kudos to Jeff Gorton. But at the same time, I've, I've been thinking about this, and I think a lot of fans have. Your team is instantly improved when you're winning or coming, uh, getting the second overall pick in the draft lottery. And both times you've, you've jumped up many spots. So I think when, whenever you're able to add the caliber of player like Kapo Kako or Alexis Lafreniere, your team is instantly going to be better. Uh, that's not to say that um, Jeff Gordon hasn't drafted well, but that's definitely something that he couldn't control, and he's been graced by the hockey gods for sure. Um, like Josh said, I think Alexis Lafreniere, I'm not going to go as low as he seemingly said, but I think he's capable of going in there and being the best player on his line. He's proven ever since I started watching him in 2016 that he's – a very special player and even with a deep draft class, one of the deepest in the past 10 years in 2020, he was still the consensus consensus number one overall pick for over a year. So I think the Rangers, you got a question if either, if they add um, one of their um, defensive prospects, just because their defense is going to be hurting with guys like Jack Johnson on the back end. But I think Keandre Miller um, could get a look. Um, Adam Fox is still your number one, but in the future, I think Keandre Miller could be a very solid number th- uh, two or three defenseman. And also, uh, I think Kapokako, I just wanted to address this. I think he's gotten a lot of hate when he uh, shouldn't have. I, he was by far none the worst defensive forward in the NHL last year, but I think he will definitely take a step forward. Um, I don't think his defensive game is ever going to be his strong suit, but I think um, with work and time, uh, it'll definitely get better, and I think he has the the chance to be a top line winger at the NHL level and be able to produce sixty or seventy points on a seasonal basis. So I think the Rangers is are um, optimistically um, hoping that they do well, but uh, who who knows how well they'll do? Um, I, I have them at sixth right now in in my rankings. 
Yeah, there's definitely a lot of questions up in the air. Also worth noting that they did draft two players in the first round this year, the other one being defenseman Braden Schneider, uh, early 20s uh, in the first round. So with that said, we can move on from the Rangers. I've said all, just about all there is to say about uh, the blue shirts. So with that said, I want to move on to the Flyers, all right, big division rival. They've lost more than they've added, that's for sure, this year. Uh, they lost Tyler Pitlick free agent to free agency and Matt Niskanen uh, defenseman retired. So two big moves there. They also lost Nate Thompson uh, free agency. And then they brought in free agent defenseman Eric Gustafson. So Matt, let's start with you on this one. Do you think the Flyers are going to be taking a step forward this year? Um, I'm going to go and say they're – I have them finishing right around where they finished last year. I really like Claude Drew, Jack, um, Borchek. All those guys are have consistently proven that they're great players. But I'm just going to pull up the line combinations on a daily face-off. My Wi-Fi will permit me. It's loading. Yeah, top line, they have it listed as Couturier, Giroux, and Borchek. I think uh, Giroux's career, to be honest, was rekindled by uh, placing him on the wing. That's a very solid first line. I think Travis Konechny doesn't get enough love around the league. I think he's a great, great playmaker. He can drive the play on his line. I think Kevin Hayes was definitely an overpayment, but a guy who's come in there and played his role well. Uh, Oscar Lindblom, feel-good story. I, I hope he comes back and has a hell of a year. James Van Riemsdyk slotted in as the uh, third line. I know there was rumors of him maybe being moved, but a capable goal scorer. Um, watched him and loved him as a Maple Leaf, so I've always had a soft spot for him. I think uh, Morgan Frost is um, going to be a great player. Uh, I didn't really know too much about him when he was drafted, but he has so shown, especially with his play with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and um, with Lehigh Valley, that he's going to be a special player. I think Joel Farabee as well can be categorized in the same kind of area as him. And then the uh, fourth line of Scott Law and Michael Rathlin, Nicholas Obey-Kubel, um, that's – a great two-way line. Scott Lawn showed in the playoffs that he can be relied upon to score goals. And I think Nicholas Obey-Kubel can definitely take a step forward. Um, Ivan Provorov and Philip Myers on the top line. I really like that. Eric Gustafson will come in and add a, a solid dynamic to this team. I think with he, although he's a more offensively minded, um, playing with a guy like Travis Sandheim will help his game. And then you got to wonder where uh, Shane Gossespair fits in. But right now they don't have him just because of the unknown with him. But Robert Hag and Justin Braun as the third pairing is solid. And then I, I like their goalies. Carter Hart's proven that he's a, their goalie of the future. I really like him. And then Brian Elliott showed last year that he's a capable backup. So I like this lineup. I think they'll do decently well. If uh, if they could, I if they go ahead and prove me wrong, I will definitely take all the heat. But I think they finish with a wild card or maybe a third place in the division. Yeah, uh, Philly is still a top three team for me. Um, I was not a fan of the way they bowed out in the playoffs. I, I, I don't know what happened there. Um, but to me, it's still them and Pittsburgh at the top. Um, and we'll get to Pittsburgh in a second here. Uh, but Philly boasts, in all honesty, probably I have to go back. Yeah. I'd have to say Philadelphia has the best offense in this division all around. Um, Matt brought it up. You have an incredible center core. Couturier, 
Hayes. Whether it's Frost or Patrick, who knows? I'm really high on Frost, and I hope Patrick can get it going. And then friggin' Scott Lawton, who is – I'm so happy to see him doing what he's doing because I've always thought he would be an unbelievable player. And he's starting to show that. Really great depth on the wings. Giroux, Voracek, Lindblom, great. Konechny, even better. Van Riemsdyk, uh, he's pricey at 7 mil, but great. Uh, Joel Farabee, going to take another step forward. Michael Raffle, solid fourth liner. Nick Abe-Kubel underrated as hell defenses where you get a little bit of concern i mean niskanen was so good this past season with grove rob uh and he was really solid defensively they're gonna miss that replacing him with eric gustafson he's the anti-matt niskanen um so i mean i'm excited to see what we get out of philippe myers i've really liked him in a reduced role it'll be interesting to see if he can Keep that going, playing in the top four more consistently. I like Sanheim. Gustafson is a solid offensive D-man. Have concerns about it defensively, so you know playing in the top four is not great. Uh, and then you got a wolf bottom pairing so far with Haig and Braun and or Gustafson there. Uh, Braun's at least solid defensively. Haig is just a black hole. I don't know why they gave that guy money. Uh, can't say enough good things about Carter Hart, though. Um, and while I'm not sold as Brian Elliott, I, well, I'm not sold on Brian Elliott as a backup. I think his time is gone. I would have liked to have seen them pursue other options. Um, Carter Hart is a legit starter, and man, he will be good, and he will be even better next season. So I'll keep riding high on the Flyers. Um as they sort of progress in their development to returning to a perennial contender part two with Giroux. So. I will say off that whole Carter Hart comment, um, the Flyers finally have their goalie of the future. That's something they've struggled with for years now. They haven't had solid goaltending in it. They haven't been able to get it consistently, and they haven't really found a guy who can be their franchise netminder. Well, they finally have it in Carter Hart. He's one of the best young goaltenders in the league. He's going to be one of the best for a long time. Uh, you know, Flyers definitely paid for not keeping Sergei Bobrovsky around, letting him leave, uh, trading him out. But uh, now, now that they've got Carter Hart, things are definitely starting to look up for them in, in net, and it's going to be a lot of good things to come from the kid in an orange jersey. So with that said, we'll move on to the next team we've got coming up, the other Pennsylvania team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm not even going to try to name all the players that have come in and gone out because there have just been a flurry of moves from the Penguins this year, but I'll just hit some of the highlights as we already talked about Jack Johnson. Uh, he left. Patrick Hornquist traded away. Matt Murray traded away. Nick Bukestag traded away. Uh, and who they brought in? They brought in Cody Cece. Yes, Barry Kapanen. Or Casper <laughs> Kapanen, excuse me. Cody Cece is the greatest um, leap of all time. Greatest leaf of all time, according to Matt. All right, so our our, our Leafs expert here, loving all the prospects. All right, Casperi Capital is the greatest leaf of all time. You heard it here first. Um, Cody Cece well, is the greatest leaf of all time. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Cody Cece is the greatest leaf of all time. Yes, no doubt. Leaf of all time. No doubt. Tyson Berry's a close second. Yeah. yeah so uh, the Penguins have made some questionable moves, to say the least, uh, and you kind of have to wonder. Does the front office have half a brain? Do they know what they're doing? Jury's still out on that one. So, Josh, you want to go ahead? 
give us a on the Penguins for next year. Yeah, Pittsburgh made a lot. I mean, they are, they've made enough moves for everybody else in the division. But their roster still doesn't look all that different. Um, I think their goalies are good. I'll start from the bottom and I'll go up. I'm high on Jari, and DeSmith has shown what he can do in a backup role. So I am not too concerned about their goaltending without Murray. Their defense, I'm going to be honest, I don't mind it. I actually think it's improved since last season with the departure of Johnson. I don't love Matheson either, but the guy is twice the player Jack Johnson is. Not saying much. And, and while the ca- I know, but while the cap hit is steep, especially the term, it gives you a solid uh, – uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Solid expose of D-men on the left-hand side. You've got Dumoulin, Pedersen, and Matheson, Latang, John Marino, who is just an analytical darling, and I love him, and Cody Cece, who, you know what, he's still an NHL player, and if you have him in a sheltered role, he'll be fine. Um, their forwards are probably their most concerning group for the first time in a long time. Yeah, you still have Crosby and Malkin. Gensel, you still have Jason Zucker, who's sneaky good, and Brian Rust, who's great. After that, I have some question marks. Kasperi Kapanen is not going to work in the top six, and they're going to find that out very quickly. His IQ is nowhere where it needs to be in order to play with Crosby. It's not even close. Or Malkin. This guy's got the hands, but he doesn't have the brains. Uh, he was probably the single, and I'm saying this about a team with CC and Barry. He was the most frustrating player on the Leafs last year for me, just because he could not get it together. And it's been like that the whole time. I mean, if he can in Pittsburgh, then score, but I don't think he does. I mean, that. After that, you look at that bottom six, and you've got a weird hillbilly combination of a bunch of different guys. Jared McCann, who's good. Mark Jankowski is. Interesting. He could be a nice reclamation project. You don't want reclamation projects on a contending team that would play that big a role. I like Brandon Tanev. The contract's a joke, but I like Brandon Tanev. Evan Rodriguez is fine. Sam Lafferty, good in a limited role. Teddy Bluger's solid. Look, I mean, this Penguins team has lost a bit of its true kill-you-at-the-throat attack power but they don't have any real weaknesses. And the weakness of Jack Johnson is what killed them against Montreal. So I think this team, you know, they may not be all that much better in the regular season, but I'd certainly put more stock in them this season to go on a deeper playoff run with more investment in Jari and less terrible bottom pair defense. So I have them as... My number one by the slimmest, slimmest, slimmest of margins with Philly. I really think it, you know, could go either way. But I'd pick one of those two to finish first in the division for sure. I don't think Pittsburgh's done yet. The one thing about the Pens that they always seem to have is they always seem to find guys and Wilkes Barre's Grant and they can just come right up, get plugged right in. Remember, that's what Gensel did. That's what Russ did. All these baby Pens coming up from Scranton just were great. And, uh, I don't put it past them to 
find, find some more magic with those guys. And, you know, Jim Rutherford was busy. I mean, he got rid of Jack Johnson. He got rid of their biggest, one of their biggest deficiencies. And, uh, I like to Smith too. I thought he's a, he's a solid number two. I think it's time you give Jari the ball. Uh, I know we were talking about the flurry of the moves. I thought that Mark Lee, there was going to be a flurry of another goaltending move to have him return home to Pittsburgh, but you would have had that specter over Jari's. Uh, Cause it always seemed like whenever Matt Murray would do well, well, maybe we, Jari's not the guy. And then anytime Jari would, Murray would struggle, it's uh well, Jari, it's let's let Jari have the run. Well, we finally got rid of that question. Let's see if the kid can sink or swim. But uh, I think you're right about the defense. It's gotten better, but I question their forward depth. You know, like I said, that's a that's been a decade about over a decade since I've been able to say that about the Penguins uh, that <laughs> their forward depth might be a problem. And uh, I know Crosby, Malkin, Yay, and like uh, Rustin Gensel, but after that, things drop off and. Uh, I still have my doubts as on Kapanen, too, but maybe not as much as you, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he can fill that top six role. And uh, uh, and you're going to wonder what the window for Pittsburgh is, if that's gonna, if it's starting to slam shut and what they had to trim the fact. Because remember, they've hit on number one picks before. They've won the lottery. And imagine if they would have won with Lafreniere this year. Oh, boy, it would have been it. You would have heard the conspiracy nuts come out for that one. And I got to say, the thing with Pittsburgh right now, you know, you look back at what they have now compared to what they have a couple years had a couple years ago. Pittsburgh Penguins used to be, you know, like that really big dog. Always in the fight and – it was a team that you did not want to face in the playoffs. When you saw that, you could potentially have a matchup against them in the first round, second round, even in the conference or Stanley Cup finals. You said to yourself, we're in big trouble. We need to play our best hockey to, to beat this team. That's not so much the case anymore. This team is lackluster. They've, they've lost a lot of the, the bark. And, you know, they have some strong pieces, but I just, when I look at this roster, it doesn't strike the fear into me that it would have a couple of years ago. And, you know, that's, that's really disappointing to me. All right, and the last team we have to touch on, all right, is the Washington Capitals. So their biggest move, signing away Henrik Lundqvist from the New York Rangers. All right, he signed with the Capitals on a one-year contract, likely to be either the backup or in a very split games role with youngster Ilya Samsonov, uh, who they believe is going to be the goalie of the future with the Capitals. They also named uh, – not named. They also uh, got rid of Braden Holpe. You know, he's, he's going to be moving on. Uh, he's had with the Vancouver Canucks, as we touched on in our big free agency episode. Uh, so they, they've got some goaltending change. Other than that, they really haven't made a whole lot of moves. They did add Justin Schultz from Pittsburgh in, via free agency. Uh, but as far as players go, they, they haven't done a whole lot. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk as well from Carolina. So, uh, Matt, let's start with you on this one. Do you think the Capitals got any better, or are they staying right where they are? Uh, I, I'm going to say they stayed right where they are. Um, I think Braid, losing Braden Holpe um, is not as bad as some people might think. I think Ilya Samsonov is definitely ready to take on an NHL starting role. Um, you had the king of New York as your backup. He's definitely going to provide some competition in uh, training camp, and that's a really, really solid uh, goaltending duo. Definitely better than last season. Um, 
I have them finishing second in the the division. I think it's going to be a close battle between them and Pittsburgh. I always kind of underestimate the Capitals and they continue to prove me wrong. So this year I thought I'd go and place them where I think they, they, they'd finish. Uh, I really like the addition of Ovechkin, uh, Ovechkin, um, Kuznetsov and Wilson on the top line. I know a lot of people um, usually think he's playing with Backstrom, but I think Kuznetsov is a very capable center playing with Ovechkin, uh, Wilson, of course, prototypical power forward this um, in this era of the game, he can drop the gloves, score 25 goals when he needs to. I really like uh, Backstrom, Oshie, and Vrana. Uh, Vrana is going to be a very special player in a few years. Um, I think a lot of people um, don't know how good he can be, and I think playing with a, someone like Backstrom and Oshie is going to definitely elevate his game to another level. Um, their depth is pretty good as well. Um, third line of Peglin, Eller, and Panic, or Ponick, uh, I think is pretty solid. And then Garnick ha- Garnet Hathaway, who don't even get me started about him, but he's a decent player, nicked out. And then they have Brian Pino slotted in as their um, four, uh, right, fourth right wing. So I think that's a decent line. Um, John Carlson, one of the best offensive defensemen in the game. He's a game changer when he's on the ice. Absolutely love him. Brendan Dillon's a solid shutdown defenseman. I think um, watching him with the Sharks all those years, he he was definitely a guy. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily play him on the first line, but I think he's a very capable second. Um, line defenseman Dmitry Orlov is is decent I like what he brings to the game he can move the puck uh, up to his forwards he's capable on the power play Justin Schultz was um, some people quoted him as a god a few years ago with Pittsburgh I think he's been injured a lot but I think he can rebound Jonas Siegenthaler I think is ready for an expanded role I think he'll make an impact Nick Jensen I think is pretty underrated defenseman and uh, definitely a solid option for them so I think all around they have the the makings of a team that can make a deep run in the playoffs, and I have them second in the division right now. Yeah, yeah, I got. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead, Dan. I I got them around. I got them winning the division. Actually, uh, I mean, I don't think you saw a lot of moves out of Washington this offseason because you got to worry about the end of the Ovechkin deal coming up. You know, that's something that's that's looming over the horizon, and they had to make it. Decision of Braid Holby. I think they made the right one. I like I, I like Samson off a lot. I think Lundqvist is going to be a good one A or good quality backup. I mean, like I said, I think we're going to see a lot of teams rely on goalie tandems this season if we have a compressed schedule. I mean, look at Dallas. You know, they're going to. I think they're going to have Ben Bishop and, and Dobby uh, Kudobin. They're going to lean on them a lot. I think whoever's got two goals with the volume of games we're probably going to get in a short, short span in 48 to 60. I'm predicting it's, it helps to have a guy like Henry Lungfist in your back pocket. Carlson was great last year. If there could have, you could have possibly had a tie for the Norris. I would have had it with Yossi, but he's the best offensive defenseman in the league or he played like it last season. Uh, Kuzi had a nice bounce back year. Uh, Kuznetsov uh, after his uh, little suspension and, uh, you know, I, I like this Capitals team a lot. I think there's uh, you're gonna see a big bounce for TJ Oshie for all you fantasy players. I, I like TJ. I think he's gonna be do very well this year. And he must back them too. This Capitals team, I, I always rate them highly, and I usually I usually make my uh, predictions right. But all the division titles they've won, they're always in the mix. They're uh, 
you're 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 going to be interested to see how how they're going to react with their with their new head coach. They made a, made a head coach. They dumped Todd Reardon. So you wonder what they're going to what they're going how they're going to react to the new coach. How much of a period of adjustment time? But uh, I. I I don't, I don't, I don't doubt the grade eight hardly. Uh, yeah, I, I have them third, but again, I have Philly, Pittsburgh, and Washington all within two minutes, two points of each other. I mean, it is just there's going to be a whole log jam there. So I mean, that's what I was kind of referring to. That I really just have two tiers in the metro of the Pennsylvania teams, Washington, Carolina, and Columbus, who are all playoff contenders and then the other three the New York teams um I'm gonna echo everything that's said I mean I don't think Washington's done I think they have a little bit of space left and I think they'll add a fourth line depth forward because I mean Brian Pino yeah whatever but you literally have no one else like you don't even have anyone who you can really bring in as a scratch so I mean Washington needs to sign some depth um they just are missing the contracts. But yeah, the forward group is solid. I mean, being able to slide Backstrom down to that second line, he's still really effective. Will help out Verona and, you know, Backstrom and Oshi will be spectacular. Um, third line, I mean, this forward group really hasn't changed at all from last season, and they were solid then too. Defense has reformed, and I love it. Uh, Dylan was pointless, but definitely noticeable in his tenure in Washington last season. Um, I think when you have a guy who's offensively as talented as John Carlson, that pairing works. If you want to go with Dylan Carlson, um, I love, love, love Dimitri Orlov. And I really like what Justin Schultz may be able to do in a different city and with better health. Um, And that gives them really no holes. I mean, that was their hole. They had trouble replacing Matt Niskanen when he left. Um, so Carlson, Schultz, Jensen, Dylan, Orlov, Siegenthaler, that's a really solid group of guys. And Jonas Siegenthaler does not get enough love. And solid goalies, too. Hank has some left in the tank. Um, and Sam Sonov is ready. So that there's no, I, I'm not sure about cup contender. I mean, we'll, I'll have to, you know, I have, admittedly not done enough research and comparisons across the league yet. I will at some point, um, but they are certainly still a playoff team more than the Islanders are. For sure. So you guys are saying about, uh, you know, you've got your top teams in the division and capitals are definitely at the top for me. I have them in my number one spot. I do think they win the division, but where I'm going to differ from you guys a little bit is I want to talk a little bit more about the next two spots. Right. I do think Philly does take that second spot, but I'm going to go with a little bit of a curveball here for my third team. I do think that's the Carolina Hurricanes. I do think they're good enough to, to be the third team in that division. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins took a big step backwards. Um, Penguins are going to be the, the fourth, my fourth team in that division. They're you know the first wild card team in that division. But I do think the Carolina Hurricanes move up ahead of them in that third place spot. Uh, my fifth team, probably the, the Islanders. But either way, I do I do think that – the Carolina Hurricanes have what it takes to step over Pittsburgh in the division standings this year. Yeah, but I mean, I got to say, I mean, it's a crapshoot trying to pick orders right now. I mean, I have, in terms of points, um, once I run some adjustment models, I mean, I have Pittsburgh, Philly, Washington, Carolina, and Columbus all within like five points of each other. So it, 
one guy goes down for a couple games and that changes the whole makeup of the division. So, I mean, really, I think the way to go about it with the Metro is in my eyes, you have the five playoff teams and the three non-playoff teams, how the seating works out, who knows, but I do think they're all fairly equal in the way they set themselves up to succeed. And we'll see how that changes. If one of them can snag one of the bigger fish left in free agency at this point in time. I would, um, I have to agree with Brandon. I was an idiot and read my page wrong. I have the Flyers at number two in Washington at number one. I don't know what the hell I was looking at. But uh, I think Carolina could make some damage. I think um, if Kapanen can go in there and find some immediate chemistry with um, Sidney Crosby, then Pittsburgh could have a chance. Um, Whenever you have Crosby and Malkin, you're definitely not out of the running. I also think the Carolina Hurricanes can make some serious noise. Um, They proved that they're a solid team in the playoffs in July and August. And, uh, I really like what they have. Um, they've got some serious, serious prospect depth coming up. Um, I think they have, um, they've drafted so all over the past few years that you'll see them in waves. You'll see some guys make the jump one year and then the following year, you'll see more guys with capable of coming in and making an NHL impact. I'm finally breaking through. So I'm really excited for this team's future. I've always liked them. I think, um, they're kind of underrated in a, in a sense. And uh, I think I agree with you by saying that they could take third in the division. My order, I, I got like some Washington one. I got Philly two, uh, Pittsburgh three. I think Carolina is going to, I think Carolina Columbus could sneak in and pit them for that third spot. Uh, for, for three through five, I think it's going to be tight. I think the Rangers are closer than you think, but they're gonna, just going to miss out. It all depends yeah. on how Lafreniere does and how, how Kako does and how the uh, – because the pressure is all going to be on Georgiev and Shesterkin, especially if they struggle early. People are going to think, well, maybe we shouldn't have given up Lundqvist so, on, on Lundqvist so quickly. But uh, I, like the, I think the Rangers are going to be in that at the end, but I think they'll just miss out on that last playoff spot in the division. But uh, they do need a number two C, and I think that, that – if whether I don't think it's strong, I think they're going to make some sort of move. And uh, but I think New Jersey is going to take that step up and be the Rangers of last year. But uh, as to the Islanders, Barry or doubt Barry trots at your own risk. Just to just to let you know on that fact. I mean, right. I think there's some people that uh, doubt the Islanders are uh, people that doubted Columbus. I think our old buddy Jim. Uh, insisted on us not putting Columbus last. And I think he was proven right last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and I got to agree with you about the Rangers. I do think that the Rangers uh, are a team that's going to just miss out on the playoffs, unfortunately. You know, they're a team I'd love to see make it. Uh, I don't think they're quite there yet. I do think they overperformed last year a little bit. You know, they they sh- they definitely should not have been uh, even in the consideration for the playoffs with the roster that they went into the season with, in my mind. And they, they had a great season. I'm not going to try and, uh, you know, take away from that at all. They had a really great year. They had a really strong year. I think adding Lafreniere to that lineup, I think that that puts them right about where they actually did perform last year. I think that, you know, puts them just on the outside looking in, give him and Kako a couple of years to develop, and they're, they're a consistent playoff contender for years to come. For sure. I mean, the only team I have that I can personally say there's no way they're making it is New Jersey. Um, I just think they have way too many holes outside of even even if you're banking on a huge improvement and the goaltending being solid, which it will be. I mean, Pavel Zaka is terrible. They need to stop waiting on him. Travis Sajak is going to regress even further. 
And that team just has absolutely no forward depth to speak of. Um, and defense, I mean, you're relying a lot on Subban to rebound, which, I mean, he hasn't been himself for years now. Um, and Murray, who is going to get hurt. So, I mean, I mean, the Devils, I mean, to me, are the clear last place team. Again, not one to doubt Barry Trotz, but the team's gotten considerably worse. The Rangers can improve, but I have the similar issues with forward depth. Um, I just think those five teams to me that I named are really the ones. They they all, to me, don't really have any clear-cut red alarm bill weaknesses. Yeah. New Jersey's a team of the future. Um, yeah. When all their guys are um, developed properly, um, they're going to be a scary team. But I think them, uh, the Islanders, if they manage to continue to astound people, uh, a lot of people, like you said, expect them to take a, a massive step back. I think they could contend for a playoff spot. Um, I think the Rangers come up short, like you guys mentioned. It all depends on how Lafreniere plays. Um, Columbus could definitely prove a lot of people wrong, including myself. Uh, I think they could make the playoffs. Um, but I also don't think if they do, man, if they go down with injuries, I don't think they'll be as lucky as they were this season. Correct. And then, yeah, it's, it's a very, very tight division. Um, None of us, it's impossible to predict the future. We'll have to wait until the season to see how it unfolds, but it's definitely going to be an exciting division to watch. New Jersey's the team of the future. The Rangers are the team of the coming, and the Islanders are the team of the pending dumpster fire. You heard it here first. All right, so with that said, I think that just about wraps up this episode of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. That, that does it for our Metropolitan Division breakdown. Next week we'll be back talking about the Central Division, so make sure you come back and check uh, that episode out with us next week on Saturday. All right, so with that said, have a great week, everyone, and uh, we'll see you again in a week. Bye.